Scott Shannon as we continue our coverage of the showdown with Syria. Joining us now, Joel Rosenberg, author of Damascus Countdown. Andy McCarthy, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. And, of course, he was the prosecutor against the uh, blind sheikh, uh, Rahman, Abdel Rahman. And, uh, gentlemen, welcome to the program. Great to be with you. Did you ever see such confusion, Andy, in your entire life? No, I, 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 I'd like to be able to uh, nail down someplace where I had, but no, I, you know, I think people are all over the map, and it's because it's a, you know, it's a confusing situation. There are bad guys on both sides, and unfortunately, we have a government that you can't trust because they say one thing on one day and something completely the opposite the next day. So even people who want to be supportive of them are leery of them. And it makes for a very confusing situation. And how's that Russia reset, Russian reset going that the president talked about? As Putin now is publicly calling John Kerry and, and pretty much the president a liar uh, when saying that, uh, in fact, Al Qaeda's influence on the Syrian rebels. Even the New York Times had a video of these these Al Qaeda linked terrorists assassinating people and and shooting them down in cold blood. So are these the people going to end up helping? Well, my sense of it is that um, the Islamic supremacist presence in the opposition is a lot more thoroughgoing than the administration and those who support intervention want to concede. And the al-Qaeda elements are, are one thing. I think that uh, uh, Secretary Kerry yesterday in his testimony, and you know that he's got every incentive to, uh, to lowball it, said that the, uh, the uh, extremists, as he called them, made up as much as 20% of the opposition, which he put at 70 to 100,000. So even by his lowball figures, uh, it, it's a, uh, a considerable number of quote-unquote extremists that goes into the tens of thousands. I, I, I think the number is higher, and I also think we've been seeing the administration play this game for a long time now, <clears throat> where... They basically divide the world into al-Qaeda and moderates, uh, and they conveniently leave out the Muslim Brotherhood. And, and the fact of the matter is that while the Muslim Brotherhood may not be as extreme in its methodology as al-Qaeda is, uh, it's an extremist organization in the sense of wanting to impose uh, Sharia on the world, as we've seen uh, every place that it's gotten its hands on the wheel. I don't think there's any doubt that the, if a, the Assad regime were to be toppled, that it would be the Islamic radicals, al-Qaeda-linked terrorists that would be in power. Um, uh, in no time at all, I think this estimate, like you do, he said the extremists amount to 15 to 25 percent, and he said it's increasingly becoming, the opposition's increasingly becoming more defined by its moderation, which is just a lie. Uh, the the more moderate, secular, pro-American forces that did exist 30 month, months ago, their, their numbers have dwindled. Uh, Joel, let me, let me bring you in. You've spent a lot of time in the region. You've studied Iran, Syria, Damascus, and, and Israel, and, and all the historical conflicts that have existed. And it's kind of eerie how in your novels you've predicted a lot of what is unfolding almost step by step. I don't know if we're going to call you the new Nostradamus, but it's certainly eerie. Um, is it? Are these the more moderates, as Kerry says, or is Putin the one that's right? I, I happen to agree with Putin. Well, it would be ironic for me or any of us to uh, find ourselves on Putin's side. Uh, 
But look, uh, the, the issue is, as Andrew has, has pointed out clearly, uh, radical Islam. You've got people who are worse than Assad. I, I, I think that Assad should go. The man is bloodthirsty and evil, but the people who are ready to pounce and seize Damascus and control Syria and the storehouses of chemical and biological weapons are al-Qaeda and al-Qaeda allies. This is worse than getting rid of Assad. So uh, that's, that's why this is a no-win situation for the United States to get involved in, as horrific uh, as it is as the carnage mounts. But the real threat is uh, toppling Assad and getting a team that's worse that would actually use the chemical weapons, not against their own people, but against Israel and against the United States. Yeah, well, you're friends with the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, and uh, and I am as well, although I've not spoken to him in quite a while. But uh, it's kind of nerve-wracking on my side just watching that whatever actions we may take, both Syria and Iran have both said that they would retaliate against Israel. Now, I have a lot of confidence in Israel's preparedness and their military capabilities, but I don't know if it's particularly fair if we launch a broader war all in the name of a red, uh, arbitrary red line that the president now claims he didn't draw. Well, that's right, Sean. And, you know, the premise of this novel that I wrote, Damascus Countdown, is about an American president pressuring an Israeli prime minister not to launch preemptive military strikes into Iran's nuclear facilities for fear that that would blow up the whole region. But the Prime Minister fictionally in the novel, Damascus Countdown, says, I have to go. The region is already on fire, and if Iran gets the bomb, you know, then my country is going to face a Holocaust. Now, we're not at that moment yet. We're pretty damn close. We're pretty close, and the reason is twofold. One, the Obama administration has has been engaged in discussions, negotiations, you know, uh, talks, and, and sort of for so long, I would call it appeasement, but for so long that Iran is closer to Israel's red line. And number two, now Netanyahu and his team are watching a dithering, uh, vacillating, weak American president who is still their ally, so Israel will, you know, dutifully stand with us, God bless them, but it, Netanyahu feels very much alone right now, Sean, and when you're an Israeli prime minister facing a nuclear holocaust from Iran, Syria is not your big issue. It, it's important, but it's not as big. And you well, it's funny you say that because I, I had a back and forth with Brett Stevens of the Wall Street Journal this week, and he was taking pot shots and comparing Mike Lee and Rand Paul and others, and he mentioned me in the article, that were calling on Congress to authorize the use of force. Uh, he was making comparisons to Ohio Senator Taft prior to World War II. And I said, well, uh, and that Taft didn't recognize the evil in Nazi Germany or, or fascist Italy. And, and I said to him, no, I'm just saying lobbing a few cruise missiles to make a point into Syria that will have no impact on the region except maybe retaliation against Israel is not a good strategy. I said, if, if you really want to stand up to evil in our time, I said, join me in supporting the United States and Israel taking out Iran's nuclear facilities before they have those weapons. Well, that's the, that's the challenge here, is that Netanyahu and his team are watching President Obama being unable to build public support, congressional support, or any allied support for a limited action in Syria 
which is telling them they are absolutely alone in Jerusalem in a fight against Iran, that the president of the United States now is not going to be able to build another coalition, you know, such that it would be to go on to Iran in the next few weeks or months. It's just not going to happen, which means the Damascus countdown fictional scenario of an Israeli prime minister taking this into his own hands because he feels he has no other choice is getting darn close, as you alluded to earlier. Well, I think it's getting, it's almost inevitable at this point. I, I can't see the Israelis not striking uh, these these nuclear facilities at some point in time, and, and maybe, uh, Andy, maybe the president is going to precipitate some type of conflict that Iran begins, but if they begin any conflict with Israel, why do I suspect Israel's going to finish it by knocking out those nuclear sites? The question is, if it's started by Obama, will Obama be there to support them? Yeah, and that's uh, that's been the question all along, Sean. And, 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 you know, it's an interesting point. I was thinking, as, as Joel was speaking, that, you know, the reason that Obama can't marshal support for what he wants to do in Syria is that they haven't been able to make a case that it's in the national security interests of the United States. And it just occurred to me that, as Joel was making his point, that if Obama today decided to pivot and say, let's put Syria on the side, I think we, on thinking of it now, I really think we need to take out Iran's nuclear sites. It would be a lot easier for him to make that case and get a lot of support for it uh, than what he's trying to do now. And the point of that, and I, and I think this is the pushback to, uh, to my friend Brett Stevens, it's not that we don't recognize the evil that is Assad. No one is carrying a brief for Assad. Uh, but this is not 1998 anymore. Uh, this is a situation in the Middle East now where the United States has two mortal enemies uh, which are equally of concern to us. Number one is these, uh, these Shiite Muslim extremists who are, uh, you know, under the influence and umbrella of Iran. Uh, but we also have this sort of amalgam of Sunni Islamic supremacism that is spearheaded by the Muslim Brotherhood and, and Al-Qaeda. And we, we can't just pretend that one of them doesn't exist in turning on the other one. Anything that we do uh, is, is going to empower uh, a mortal enemy of the United States, and that's the difficulty here. It's not that anybody... Well, but, but we've got to be honest, too, because Syria has basically become a, a satellite, like every other radical group in the region, of Iran in, in many, many ways. So Iran has been fighting proxy wars against Israel. They have been arming the radical Islamists on, on different sides. They have been fomenting hostilities. They have been threatening to wipe Israel off the map. Uh, if we're going to get to the heart of where the problem in the Middle East is right now, it is right in the heart of Tehran, and, and that's where, if we really want to be effective, the single best thing we could do is take out their nuclear sites. But right. I, I don't hear the, I don't think this president, you know, no. look, he's talking about days, not weeks, no, no. boots on the ground. He's, he's basically telegraphed every site we're going to hit. I mean, this, this is a meaningless attack to me. Well, that's right, and that's the, that's the big problem. That's what... And that's why I think the most interesting person to be watching right now is not President Obama or, you know, Harry Reid or John Boehner. It's Bibi Netanyahu, because if he decides to where I think is the conclusion he's heading toward rapidly, he's going to have to launch. And then he's going to have to understand that the United States is led by a president who you, you can't be certain he will be there for you, even though he tells you he has your back. And 
if Iran and Syria then team up together for retaliation, that's the scenario in my Damascus Countdown book, but that's one of those worst-case scenarios that... Uh, well, I think, I think it could even get worse than that, especially if they get the support of Russia. And where's yeah. China going to be in all of this? Yeah, but let, let me just make this point, though, because I think this has come up a number of times uh, in our confrontations with radical Islam. I don't think the United States can ever back down from, if we need to use military force, from using military force it, just because some crackpot or some uh, Islamic dictator or some Islamic supremacist threatens that they're going to retaliate if we act in our interest. But the big thing there is that it's got to be in our interest. Well, how is this in our interest? The security of the United States is at stake, as it is, for example, with uh, uh, Iranian access to nuclear power. Then we have to do what we have to do, and we can't not do it or be paralyzed. I agree with that, but can you make that case for Syria? He can't make it. That's the point. That's yep. that, that's why I think all of us are probably on the same page here. Well, I'm, I'm close to that page. I mean, I would just say that, look, when I read the resolution, the congressional resolution, I agree with, you know, 98% of it. But I don't think this president is trustworthy, steady, wise. I don't think he and his team can pull it off. And the unintended consequences of starting U.S. military involvement in Syria which could lead to the rise of al-Qaeda, could lead to the unleashing of chemical weapons to other terrorist groups or against the United States or Israel, requires a steady hand and a principled policy that we no. haven't seen. Well, let me ask one last question, and we got a break. Do either one of you think, I would say the likely use of these chemical weapons came from Assad, but there is a chance, isn't there not, that, uh, is there not that, in fact, these rebels that are al-Qaeda-linked could have done it? Yeah, I talked to two former, very senior CIA officials in the last 24 hours. They both say to me they, exactly what you said. They think the evidence leans significantly towards Assad, but they can't rule out yet, and they haven't seen conclusive evidence that would prove that it wasn't uh, the rebel. So that's, uh, yeah. All right, we're up on the clock here. Andy, thank you. Joel Rosenberg, thank you both. Appreciate it. When we come back, wide open telephones, final half hour, Sean Hannity Show. I want you to mark this date on your calendar.